Strike Zone. ABC Grandstand's Baseball Show. G'day, Chris Coleman with you. And in the next half hour, we will hear from Baseball New South Wales following last week's question marks over the future venue for Blue Sox games. Tim Harradine from Baseball New South Wales with us in just a minute. Dan Zimborski from ESPN in the USA joining us. And Warwick Petheridge with more of the stuff you might have missed and the first inductees to the Hall of Was. And no, I've got no idea what that means either. On Australian Baseball League news, lots of people asking me on Twitter at CJCAU what's going on with an ABL draft. Like everyone else, I'm hearing the 1st of June. I'm hearing that it'll be for Australian players only. But the details, from what I've been able to gather, are still being finalised. Hopefully more on that on next week's show. I'm also hearing, by the way, no significant change, if any change, to the import rule in the ABL next season. Can't confirm that, but that's what I'm hearing. And your ABL schedule for next season, where is it? Well, I believe it's on hold because the Asia series looks like it is going to go ahead now. Uh, That's not what we were expecting a few weeks ago, where there were massive question marks over it. So if you're a Perth Heat fan, start saving your pennies for a trip away. And if you're a Melbourne Aces fan, the good news is that your wait for a manager may be resolved in the next fortnight. The Aces, I am told, have had applicants from at least half a dozen countries for that job. Strike Zone. If you were listening last week, you would have heard a bit of conjecture over what is going to happen with the Blue Sox regarding a home ground. Uh, There's been a newspaper article suggesting that they're looking to play at least some of their home games at a redeveloped Brookvale Oval, the home of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles in the National Rugby League competition. A lot of people have commented to me via Facebook and Twitter on this one that... uh, uh, They remember the days of old when uh, National Baseball League games were played on rugby league grounds and um, the 9-3 right field to first base outs and so on became commonplace and the very long hits down to left field uh, amongst other issues. Let's find out where things are at uh, for the Blue Sox. Tim Harradine is the CEO of Baseball New South Wales and Blue Sox Baseball. Tim Harradine, welcome back to Strike Zone. G'day Chris, thanks very much for having me. Okay Tim, where are things at? Are the Blue Sox looking to move to Manly? Look, we, um, due to the success of the MLB opener in Sydney, the government have been ultra supportive of baseball, uh, right from grassroots all the way through to the uh, to the Australian Baseball League. And um, you know, within within the government stadia strategy, they're always looking to create multi-purpose venues. So, other sports who need to upgrade their facilities are interested in talking to baseball uh, because. We're a you know unique sport with a um, a growing following and uh, and we're able to bring um, large scale events and it's not necessarily just about the Sydney Blue Sox it's 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 about the big events like um, you know sub sub the MLB you're talking about the Asia series or um, uh, you know an uh, MLB um, uh, World Baseball Classic qualifier those types of games so there, there needs to be places where those big scale events can be played. And um, and so other sports are engaging baseball to to open some discussions about um, you know where where might be a good fit and all that sort of stuff. But our home is at is at Blacktown for the Sydney Blue Sox. So at this stage, no prospect of the Sox moving from the western suburbs to the North Shore. Look, there, there, there's um, all of those issues that you outlined earlier is not something that we want. We, we don't want to go backwards and move. Um, and create makeshift environments. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of doing that now at Blacktown with a baseball facility. You know, we're having to expand our seating and bring in temporary structures. And we, we don't want to really live in that world that we used to in, in the old ABL where we're transforming um, rectangular stadiums, um, you know, which, which don't really suit baseball. So unless there's going to be some, you know, significant um, changes and 
and, and all those types of things. It's got to be baseball friendly, and, and we don't want those, um, you know, out of the ordinary nine to three outs and, you know, a thousand home runs to right field and um, nothing to left field. We, we, we're not looking for that. We need a, a multi purpose venue um, that can host big scale events and, and draw, you know, um, you know, draw people that, that want to see great baseball games. At the same time, last week we had uh, heard an interview with the Mayor of Blacktown. Uh, he's not terribly happy because the state government's uh, effectively uh, cut its funding for the Blacktown International Sports Park. That does also raise further question marks, doesn't it, over the future viability of the home ground for the Sox? Well, the Blacktown City Council have been very supportive of baseball over the years. They, um, As you may know, the, the Olympic legacy funding was guaranteed, I think, for three or four years beyond... Um, beyond the Olympics, and the state government continued to pay it for um, almost 11 years. So uh, uh, th- there was, um, th- there's been a lot of support, you know, for from from government for us to continue to develop the game um, where we are. And 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 Blacktown City Council has supported the uh, the fact that we live there, and they continue to to make Blacktown Olympic, uh, sorry, Blacktown International Sports Park continues to exist and, and operate as it has always. So that, that means that Blacktown City Council has effectively continued to, to pick up shortfalls of, of the state government and that shows their commitment to sport and uh, to providing something that's great for um, not only the people in the local area but to drive inbound visitors to, to the Blacktown area to boost the economy there. As as uh, Len Robinson said to us last week, though, you know, if they've suddenly got to find another three quarters of a million dollars a year on top of the the eight hundred or so thousand that they put in now, it becomes a very very difficult operation for them. You know, are you lobbying the state government to say, hang on, you know, maybe it's not fair that the Blacktown's commitment effectively doubles straight away? Yeah, we've we've definitely um, raised raised our concerns and 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 spoken to. Uh, you know, in, into the correct circles, and so we um, we continue to uh, to support um, where we're playing and and continuing to uh, you know get get our hands dirty and grow the game and and bring bring baseball to uh, to Blacktown International Sports Park and play high quality baseball there with some good events. So um, so we, we're uh, we're certainly doing our part to uh, to make make uh, make all this work. Okay, so uh, to, to summarise, no prospect of a change of home ground for the Blue Sox, and you, you're continuing to uh, to have Blue have, uh, Blue Sox Stadium, the Blacktown International Sports Park, as your home base. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're playing there, and um, and and we, you know, the like I said, the, the state government ultra ultra supportive of looking for um, um, a, a big future for baseball, and so if there's a uh, if there's a uh, you know. You know something that comes down the track later, which might be baseball specific, then that or or a, a multi-purpose venue, then that might be within their their strategy. But for now, we're at Blacktown, and uh, and and we are looking to make that place even better and and have a great season um, upcoming. Okay. Anything else on the Blue Sox news front that we should be uh, finding out, or baseball New South Wales front at the moment, Tim Harriday? Look, nothing, uh, nothing too. Uh, too big right now. We're just uh, we're, we're we're obviously in the midst of our off season, so it's it's, it's heavy times to put our team together and um, and keep keep rolling along. We're we're just about to get hot and heavy with our recruitment uh, for our, for our junior base in New South Wales, and 
continuing to grow and, and keep up with all the inquiries that we're getting post the uh, MLB event. So we're just excited about what's happening in baseball and can't wait to see our future. Okay. Always good to have you on the program. Great to speak to you again. Thanks, Chris. Tim Harradine from Baseball New South Wales and the Sydney Blue Sox. ABC Grandstand's Baseball Show. Strike Zone with Chris Coleman. As you know, on this program, we do like to catch up with people in America to talk about baseball. After all, it's the home of the game. Today, we're catching up with Dan Samborski from ESPN. He's the man behind the Zips projection system, which we're going to try and get a little bit into as well. But Dan, welcome to Strike Zone. Thanks for having me on. Hey, what do you know firstly about baseball in Australia before we get uh, closer to home for you? Well, I did know some about the Australian Baseball League. Uh, some of the players are familiar, uh, like Brandon Tripp, who I think led the league in home runs. Uh, I remember him. I saw him when he was a minor leaguer uh, in Baltimore. Uh, so, and Mike Ekstrom, the pitcher, who had something like six shutout games for the Australian Baseball League. So I am familiar with, with some of the players involved. But I've never seen a game live. Is that one of the problems you think that the Australian League may have in trying to grow is that it doesn't at the moment have that avenue to feed its product worldwide and particularly to America where you know, we're, we're hoping that it can become sort of a winter ball development league in your terms? Well, it'll always, it'll always be, a, it won't be the same status as Major League Baseball for baseball fans. Uh, but as it becomes more popular, then you start bringing in more money, you start having the uh, finances to go after some of the players that can't make the majors. Because if you look at some of the Asian baseball leagues, Japan used to be the only game in town, but now players are going to Korea as that league has gotten more popular. And I don't see any reason Australia can't go that path. Well, let's talk about uh, Major League Baseball. The season so far, of course, it did begin in Australia. Did you uh, sit up into, I'm assuming, the wee small hours of the morning and watch some of the games from over here? I did see the game. So it was not a very convenient time of the day to watch a game. But what are you going to do with the time zone? But I, I like that baseball will start the season overseas. I like seeing games because, I mean, baseball plays 162 games for every team. And it's nice to see the outreach to some of the countries getting into baseball. I'd love to see games in Australia every year, uh, some games in Japan, maybe even China someday. Do you think it's important for baseball to have that global growth? Do you think that one day down the track, you know, the World Series, for example, might wind up being the World Series? Uh, I think it's important uh, for baseball to continue to grow because anything that's not growing is dying. Uh, I know that sounds kind of cruel, but... One of baseball's strongest strengths, and especially Major League Baseball, is that it's not really a provincial sport. I mean, it's played in the United States, but there's players from all over the world uh, playing in the United States uh, in Major League Baseball. And I think that bringing the interest uh, into these countries and making the talent, I mean, it makes every team better. Uh, the World Cup of Baseball has is, is been pretty exciting. Uh, the World Baseball Classic uh, is what they're calling it, of course. Uh, but we all know it's the World Cup of Baseball. And did the World Baseball Classic actually capture you know, as much attention in America as it did in the, in the countries outside the states that were competing in it? It hasn't really caught on to the same extent as it has overseas. Uh, American fans are interested, but it hasn't really caught on like fire. But I think that over time, uh, as, as fans become more familiar with some of the players, because you look at some of the Japanese players that have come into the uh, majors in recent years. You look at Yu Darvish and Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, the more that Americans see these players, 
the more they can appreciate what's going on in Japan. And someday when Australia is, is sending lots of players, uh, well, there'll be that increased appreciation as well, I think. I mean, we do have uh, a few guys who are, who are at the top level at the moment. I mean, most notably Grant Balfour, but uh, Ryan Rowland-Smith's in there. Rich Thompson's not too far away. Peter Moylan, we, we hope to see back up at the top level. Travis Blackley, likewise. So there's a few guys around there. Uh, you know, Do people notice that these guys are Australian when they're, when they're coming out there, or is it just, uh, oh, he's another player? Uh, I think I think the writers do. I don't know if it's really connected with the players, with, with the fans yet, so to speak. Uh, but I think over time, as players are more um, associated with Australia, because I mean, you look at Ryan Round Smith, and and no one ever really thinks of him as an Australian baseball player um, to the extent that someone looks at, say, you Darvish and can say, oh, he was from Japan. Uh, that will come over time. Um, and you forgot one of the best Australian baseball players of all time in in the United States, Dave Nilsson. No, indeed, indeed, and uh, a guy who who has given a lot back to the Australian game as well, and uh, you know, hopefully the, the the cycle continues with some of the guys who are over in, in the States now uh, getting up to the top and then being able to bring more to the game back home. Now, Dan, let's turn around and, and talk about zips, because um, I've, I've been wanting to do a bit on stats in baseball on Strike Zone for quite a while, uh, and this year your zips projections have really caught me. I've got to confess it's probably because I only started following you on Twitter relatively recently, and I find them intriguing. But for the, the uninitiated, what is zips? Well, zips is, is essentially a basic, well, not basic, but it's a projection system for baseball players. Its goal is to utilize all this. But baseball is so rich with data and so rich with information. That the idea is to kind of bring all this together and try to make kind of educated guesses uh, as to how good players are and what they'll do in the future. Because, of course, that's what general managers are doing, because there's big money involved in predicting who will play well in the future and who won't. And it's, it's a science, but it's also a very inexact science, because humans are very complicated. So what would you say the, the best takeaway or the most common takeaway you can, you can come up with for, from a, a ZIP system or a projection system is? Well, one of, one of the nice things about a projection system is while it gives you estimates of how well a player will do, it also shows you how much we don't know. Um, when, when, when Zips projects a baseball player, it gives me a line for the mean performance, but really it's a whole array of possibilities. Uh, and when you look at a player that's projected to hit 270, it's really no surprise if they hit 300 or 250 or if they hit 30 home runs or 10 home runs. There's a huge array of possibilities. Uh, and I think some of that uncertainty is, is one of the things that baseball fans as a whole don't really completely uh, understand. Uh, when, when a player is poor for a month, they think the player's done. If a player has a great season, they think it's going to last forever. But a lot of these things that fans see, uh, that the statistics see, just aren't true. Does it also show up changes in the game over time? Uh, it does. Uh, when you track statistics long term, you see some of the effects of of modern analysis because baseball has had an explosion uh in the way that um franchises are run they're run more like uh economists run things they're run more like businesses uh you go back 30 years baseball teams were run by conventional wisdom and and scouts that had been in the game for 40 years uh and you see that in some of the stats uh for instance uh over the last 20 years, the, the difference between AAA, minor league baseball, the highest league in the United States, and major league baseball, that's actually grown. Uh, and the theory for that is that teams are selecting some of the better minor league players uh, more effectively than they used to, and also that Japan is a more is a 
possible destination for a lot of these players that it wasn't, say, in the late 80s. Uh, so you can kind of see the story of baseball uh, in the statistics in, in a lot of ways. You've talked there about Japan as well. Are statistics from Japan comparable to statistics from, from minor league ball or even from major league ball in some ways now? Uh, they're similar. Uh, they're, it's difficult because the thing about Japan and to an even greater extent Cuba is that the, is that the top level of talent is major league ready talent. Uh, but what separates major league baseball from uh, some of the other professional leagues is when you get farther down the roster. Uh, the best player in Japan is going to be one of the best players in the United States, but the 100th best major leaguer in, uh, is going to be a really good player in Japan. Uh, when you translate statistics, and the thing with Japan is there's a lot of players that have gone back and forth, both Japanese players, the United States, and United States players playing in Japan. Uh, is Japan stronger than any of the United States minor leagues? Uh, it's, a, it's a little above uh, our triple-A level of minor league, uh, but it's not quite at the level of Major League Baseball. So a lot of players are going to have adjustment periods. Expanding that further, though, can, can we develop or is it possible to develop you know a global set of stats and i appreciate you know for from an australian perspective where our league is 44 45 games per season it's not played six days a week or seven days a week so again there are differences that come in but is there any way that you can you know, do up comparable stats from around the world to to rank where different leagues sort of fit in uh you can do that uh but for some of the leagues that are just starting off you need more time uh, we can estimate the quality of Japanese leagues relative to major leagues because we have a, a lot of players that have gone back and forth. Uh, we're starting to have that with Cuba, uh, but even then, the, the number of players we have is much fewer than the players uh, that have come from Japan to the U.S. Uh, and that same problem is uh, with the Korean baseball leagues. Uh, and the Australian baseball league, that's, that's still fairly new. So we haven't had a long history of players moving back and forth. Uh, as it becomes more popular and established, we'll start to see that, I think. And then we can kind of make more of an estimate. Okay, I'm going to ask you again about Australian baseball, Dan. What do you think Australian baseball needs to do to, to take the next step? I think that a lot of it is just kind of sticking to it. Uh, it takes a long time to establish a league. It takes a long time to get a new sport in. You have to, it's a generational thing. You have to get the young, younger generation into a sport. Uh, so as they age, they become the, the ticket buyers and the... Uh, merchandise purchasers. Uh, I think it just it requires a lot of determination to build a major league, uh, especially one that that is it gets attention on a global level. Uh, I know time isn't exactly the the sexiest response, uh, but I think that's what it needs. I think it needs time and a lot of effort and energy, and just continue improving it year after year. Indeed, time and perseverance. And finally, uh, uh, probably the the million dollar question for a lot of people. What does Zips say about the latter stages of this year? Where are things standing at the moment in terms of postseason baseball for teams in Major League Baseball? Well, right now, uh, the, the, the projections, the percentages are always very close and they can always change uh, because baseball never stays still. Uh, but right now, Zips has the Tigers as the favorite in baseball, which, which I don't mind too much. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the Orioles, but... Uh, I did pick the Tigers in the preseason, so I, I kind of would like to look smart uh, because everyone likes to look smart. But right now, uh, Zip's favorite World Series is the Detroit-San Francisco World Series. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the favorite was the Detroit-Dodgers World Series. So 
things change. Uh, ask me in a month, and I might have a different answer for you. <laughs> we might just do that. We keep in touch, and uh, we'll see what you come up with uh, as the season progresses, hey? Uh, we, uh, we will. Uh, and I can tell you with absolute certainty in October who will win the World Series. <laughs> I like a man who can make a claim like that. We look forward to getting that in October. Yeah, if, if, you, can, if you can hold off asking me until then, I can give it to you with 100% certainty. <laughs> Hey, Dan, it's been great to have you on the program. We will take you up on that offer and get you back on uh, later in the track, maybe in October, maybe sooner. We'll see what happens, eh? Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Dan Zimborski from ESPN. Strike Zone with Chris Coleman. As we come towards the latter stages of Strike Zone episode 95, I mentioned 95 because if I don't, this bloke will. Warwick Petherbridge, hello. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm oh, very well. Warwick is available via Twitter at It's Was Time. No, no time for that, Chris. We've got time for that uh, in a minute. Let's roll on. You have handed me a note, and I'm going to, from here on in for today, call you Captain Obvious. For the uh, note you have handed me says, Mike Trout is better than you at just about everything. I know this. No, look, he, he's better than everyone, Chris. It doesn't matter. Everyone should have to wear, wear a T-shirt because, you know, batting, looking impressive. He's added a new thing to this list, and it's a, it's a special Mother's Day edition. Mm. Mike Trout bought his mother a $62,000 car for Mother's Day. Now He just wants to make the rest of us look bad. Here's a photo of said car. That's not a car. That's a postcode. Now, look at the ribbon she's holding. Happy, Happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Love, Love Mike. Mike. Oh, he a... got a personalised ribbon. Now, this is... Debbie if you Tra- spend $62,000 on a car for someone as a gift, they should throw in the personalised ribbon. But no, here's the best part. Tyler Trout... Mike's young, Mike's brother, yeah. mm. saw this on Twitter and then wrote back in a response on Twitter saying, I guess the macaroni necklace I made you isn't going to cut it this year. <laughs> Don't you feel sorry for people you know, who are the, the younger siblings of people like Mike Trout? I think Trout Tyler Trout out? is the older sibling. But, the older sibling? But, Good God. But yes, no, Mike Trout, not only is he better than nearly everyone on a baseball field, he's better than us at life in general. Yeah. Thanks for that, Mike. Thanks for showing us up. We really appreciate it. Um, Mini Vish. Okay, you Darvish. Yes. Have you heard of Mini Vish? I haven't heard of Mini Vish. I hadn't heard of Mini Vish. I'm glad I'm not the only one. The other day, uh, Rangers Angels in seventh, Colin Cowgill of the Angels hit a foul ball into the crowd and dead set it looked like uh, you Darvish's doppelganger. Uh Twin brother, 2012, with the long hair. Apparently he goes to every game and he's a lot shorter than you Darvish. You Darvish is like 6'5". So he goes dressed like... This. Oh, and he's got the mini Vish shirt too. Yes. So, caught Vish, pitched Vish. Yeah, there's some... Um, I don't know, there's something scary about that. I'm not, I, don't, I can't quite put my finger on it. But I, I don't know, because I love the fact that he's got the mini baseball in his hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you going to tweet that photo for us so that the rest of the world can see that? Would, would you like me to? Yeah, tweet that with the hashtag ABC Strike. That's kind of scary. Okay, no. You're good at tweeting the scary. Uh, look, uh, look, Chris, I, I know that you love it, and uh, I'm still working on a Max Scherzer bobblehead for you. <laughs> Gee, thanks. But look, Chris... Yeah. I, I promised people this a couple of weeks back. It has arrived, Chris. Now, you put in a request. You put in a special request. You know this is the ABC, right? Mm-hmm. You know we don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right? You put in a request for a trumpet fanfare. Yes, I did. Okay. That'll do. I'll That'll take do. it. No, we can't do that. This is the first edition... Of Look, the Hall of Was. That's right, Chris. The first inductee if, into the Hall if, of Was. If this is the first, we really should make it a, a little bit more special.
And in a groundbreaking gesture, I'm going to offer 10,000 strike zone points to whoever can, to the first person who can correctly identify where that came from. Okay, well, uh, I actually, is it wrong to say that I like the first one? The first inductee mm-hmm. into the Hall of Woz has to be mm-hmm. Jose Canseco. Of course it does. For his contributions <laughs> to this show, Jose Canseco is the first member of the Hall of Woz. Just a quick rundown. Wants to fight Shaq in an MMA fight. Yep. Running for wanted to run for the mayor of Toronto until he found out he couldn't because he wasn't well, a Canadian well, citizen. Well, that's always a problem. Yes. His brilliant Twitter ideas. If he was the commissioner of baseball. Yeah, I, I've actually stopped following him on Twitter just because of the sheer volume. Mm-hmm. It was just clogging my feed. Uh, naming Mark McGuire. Yep. You know, naming and shaming after he himself was outed. Yep. And my personal favourite, being pulled over by the police with a goat in the di- with a diaper on in the back seat. So use the hashtag Hall of Was every show up until 100. Someone or something, not just someone, something will be revealed into the Hall of Was. If you have any suggestions, hashtag Hall of Was, hashtag countdown to 100. Chris, Jose Canseco, first member of the Hall of Was. And a fitting, a fitting entrant. Of course, the other thing about Jose Canseco that you haven't mentioned is that he was the subject of rumours a couple of years ago that he was actually going to come down under play for the Canberra Cavalry in the world of baseball because he was a friend of a player for the Cavalry and it all started up on Twitter, you know, and him saying, yeah, I'd love to come down under and play and lots of people picked up on it and then nothing happened. No comment. Do you think, in all seriousness, we've got a second, do you think if Canseco wanted to come and play in the ABL, would it be good for the game in Australia or bad for the game in Australia? I think it'd just be a freak show. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing, I don't know if that's the positive message because... He is a big name, but he's well past his prime and an admitted drug user, so I don't know if that would help our reputation. He's no also, disrespect. He's also friends with Donald Trump, who could be the next president of the United Come States. Come on down, apparently. Jose. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, the, and the Toronto mayor. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be the Toronto mayor. Uh, okay, it's, it's the, we're a week into May. In fact, we're more than a week into May, so you're late with this one, but I'll forgive you this time because you've got a note from your mum. The April odd spot. All right, look. The summary of April in the world of oddities in baseball. Look, how about this? Robinson Cano, let's start here. Okay. Seattle Mariner. Mm. Booed Played, by the Yankees. No, no, no better than that. Mm. Chris, this is the odd spot. It's got to be odd. Hidden in a box. That's pretty no. odd. Nine seasons and 1,375 games for the Yankees. Yeah. Never once played for a team that lost eight games in a row. It only took 20 as a Mariner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stat. Great stat. Yep. Look, uh, some of these are great. Uh, strangest injury of the month. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez had to leave a game on April 2 after swallowing his chewing tobacco. As you, Oh, yuck. <laughs> now, look, I'm a former smoker, as, as are you now, Yeah, uh, I believe. Um, but um, have you ever tried chewing tobacco? No. I have a friend who went over to the States and did, did the NASCAR thing. Worked in, in, in NASCAR um, pit lanes and stuff. And a lot of guys there chew it. He came back hooked on the stuff, brought some back with him, which is interesting that he got it through because it's illegal in Australia. I tried it. Yeah, no, it's not great, is it? I nearly vomited after about two seconds. It's awful. All right. Uh, here's one you brought up. Hector Noisi, who yeah. gave up seven runs to the White Sox in one inning yep. for the Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, cut by Texas. Five days later, he was picked up on the waiver wire by the White Sox, who hit the seven <laughs> runs, runs against him. him. Yeah. <laughs> Thought you'd like that one just because you brought I'm, it up. I'm glad you brought it in, yeah. But I love this one. Victor Martinez stole a base this season before Billy Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton hit a homer before uh, Andre Beltra. Justin Verlander, 
who was 0 for 26 lifetime, had a multi-hit game before Alan Craig, who's known for multi-hit games. Indeed, yes. Madison Bumgarner hit a homer in AT&T Park before Mm -hmm. Pablo Sandoval or Hunter Pence. Hey, do you know what the the, the Twitter hashtag for Madison Bumgarner is now? What's that? Hashtag Madbum. Nice. I kid you not. And Gio Gonzalez hit a home run before the Yankees. All of them. All (laughs) Beautiful. Look, I like I like it a lot. Oh, I'm trying to. Oh, here we go. Cliff Lee gave up eight runs to the Rangers on opening day and still got a win out of it. Mm-hmm. Jeff Samar de Giza from the Cubs gave up six earned runs in his first five starts for the Cubs and got zero wins out of it. Got <laughs> to love baseball. Look, it's it's just these beautiful little things, Chris, that just that make our game what it is. Go around. Here we yeah. go. But to close, to close from you, yes. When the Tigers threw a seven-run inning at the Twins on Anzac Day, mm. all three outs in the inning came off the bat of the same hitter, some guy named Miguel Cabrera. Oh, there you go. How about that? Hey, I want to ask you something, Wallace. Yes. Where's your homework from last week? Got my homework. Got your homework. Got you've, my... got, you've got the Star Wars jerseys, all the Star Wars jerseys. Uh, there, were, there were five teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. You have the Durham Bulls that we talked about, yep. the, uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, who played in the Darth Vader jerseys, yep. the Kane County Cougars, who played in the Chewbacca jerseys, right. The Sacramento River Cats, who played in a different R2-D2 jersey. And then you have the Eugene Emeralds, who played in a Boba Fett jersey. Okay, now, they are the five teams on May the 4th who played. Okay, so they all did them on May the 4th? May the 4th. Okay, there are right. some more throughout the year, but right. these were the five on May the 4th. Okay, we, need to add, we need to find a gallery. We need to put it somewhere on the web, but we'll do that later. Uh, okay, uh, we have about 30 seconds left. Uh, Rice and Latroy. Uh, Rice report, ERA 6.141 loss. Batting average against of only 259, but... Seven innings pitched and seven hits, five earned runs has not helped the ERA. No. Latroy Hawkins, ERA of three, nine saves, one win in 12 innings with 13 hits, four earned runs, and an average against of .271. So not much in the average against between the two, but obviously the hits and the earned runs is what's got uh, Rice behind. Okay, there we go. And that's all we have time for on Strikes and Episode 95. Say goodbye, Was. Hashtag Hall of Was. Hashtag Countdown to 100. Goodbye, Chris. You can find him on Twitter at It's Was Time. That's Was with a W O Z. You can find me on Twitter at CJCAU. Thanks very much for your company today. Strike Zone back in another week here on ABC Grandstand Digital or via the web.